Hello and welcome to I Am Geek, and this is episode 199. I'm Ryan, I'm joined by my brother Chris and our good pal, Katrin. And tonight we have a very, very, very special guest. It is Ryan Donahue, who is an animator, visual effects, everything, all, all the cool stuff that you see on the screen, he has done. His list is a mile long of all the stuff he's done. His latest thing that I'm obsessed with is Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway at Disney's Hollywood Studios. So hopefully we'll be talking about that and all of his work from from beginning until now. So let's welcome Ryan. Ryan, welcome to I Am Geek. Hi there. Well, thank you for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure to be talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Even even if Chris is here. <laughs> I, I, I mean, at any point, if, if you get... If, you can sick have me here. I can step away. Um, okay. I, I'm a team player. I want the I want the podcast to go well. So yeah, just, so that was an option. Yeah, yeah. That's why oh, he's in that uh, black background. He just sort of fades why, into yeah, the back. I just, I just fade into the background. And, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Anything for you. It's funny that we have two Chris's <laughs> and two Ryan's on. So this is yes. like the first for us. Yeah. So, seriously yeah i don't know why we just have to have that's our guest they have to have the same name as at least one of us to be on the show from now on (laughs) that that would be a gimmick yeah Um, (laughs) but ryan why don't you tell us a little bit about your background about yourself about what you do and how you sort of got there sure uh yeah, currently um, I am a consultant uh, with Imagineering as a, a kind of a, either an animation or media director or VFX supervisor. It's a little weird what my designation is um, because working as a consultant, um, uh, they don't necessarily have like an animation director um, that works with their shows uh, because when and this is something very specific to Imagineering is that when you're in-house there, um, when you say animation, um, everyone there means animatronics. And so when you're working on the AA figures, you're doing the animation. Um, anything else is digital media. And so, uh, you know, they have supervisors and leads, but um, I was a little bit different because I came in as a consultant uh, and then worked in-house for two years and then uh, in the last year, I've been working as a consultant again. Um, but essentially, my, my job, I came in um, for the first uh, uh, version of uh, Mickey's Runaway Railway in 2016. And I've been on it since then, working on the, the new version now that's been announced for uh, L.A. And um, uh, my job is to be in charge of the creation of all the uh, 2D animated media uh, that showcases in the ride. Um, and so I work with a wonderful team of people um, and uh, a lot of them do a lot of the heavy lifting um, and uh, especially the second time around since we're kind of remaking the ride. Um, but normally what it consists of is is just kind of dealing with the creation of the jumps and the gags, figuring out the timing of the ride, uh, kind of the audio pass, um, uh, and timing all the animation with it. Um, it uh, initially started dealing with some of the bidding and uh, working with Disney TV, um, who uh, with the people who created the Mickey shorts uh, and with their um, their vendor who creates the animation for the Mickey shorts series, uh, Mercury Animation in Canada. And uh, 
so working with those guys and my team, um, you know, it's basically just, uh, yeah, uh, creating all the animation assets, uh, backgrounds, artwork, characters, effects, animation, everything that you see moving, uh, that is a projected or digital piece of art in the ride, um, came through my team. Um, and then if you break it down, it's, it's about 75% of the scope of the ride is, is projected, uh, with the uh, artwork as opposed to, um, you know, the, the, what they would call show set, which is all the more conventional stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, to, you know, go back a bit, um, you know, I'm a classically, uh, I guess I, I went to school for trained for 2d animation and over the course of my career, I've just kind of fallen in and out of different jobs and, and different types of media from, you know, working on TV shows, um, like Futurama to, um, you know, then going to, uh, you know, do some concept design for some video game places. And then uh, uh, the bulk of my time was doing uh, CG uh, visual effects animation um, uh, with your brother, Chris, there um, at Rhythm and Hughes, um, mostly. And uh, he said my name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember Chris. Uh, <laughs> oh, do tell. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, just kind of working in all these different kind of venues. I've always just kind of felt, uh, you know, as a, as a job, um, I, I try not to get too myopic about, uh, or my, what my focus is as an artist. Um, you know, some people, um, tend to feel that, you know, that I'm an animator and that's what I am, or I am an effects animator, or I am a storyboard artist, or I am a character designer. And uh, people tend to stick with that. And that's totally great because some people, that's what they love and they know they love it and they stick to it and they hone their abilities till they get to be, you know, maybe the best, you know, that there is at it. And I'm one of these people that knows a little bit about everything and kind of falls into these jobs uh, as they come around and just tries to, you know, meet whatever challenge is there. So, you know, I, I, I like that aspect of it um, because it's, it makes it a little bit more varied for me. I know if I do one thing too long, I start to get a little uh, antsy and then want a different kind of creative challenge to do. Yeah. I mean, your, your work, I mean, I was, I was kidding around with it. I literally have a page here of all the stuff that you worked on. Let's go back. Um, you mentioned Futurama. I know that that's Chris is one of Chris's favorites. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did on Futurama? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when the show was uh, greenlit, um, it uh, it was right around 1998 uh, when I was graduating from CalArts, and um, the owner of the studio, uh, Rough Draft Studios, who, who produced the animation for the show, uh, Greg Vanzo, and uh, the supervising director of the series, uh, Rich Moore, who um, went on to direct uh, Zootopia and, you know, a bunch of that other stuff there at Disney. Um, they went to the CalArts producer show and they basically ended up hiring almost our entire graduating class um, <laughs> of people, which sounds like a lot, but then, you know, that ended up being 20 people. Um, so there was about 22 or 25 people that graduated that year from the program. And uh, about 20 of us went to go work on the show. And I was given the choice at the time of, uh, either going in as a character uh, uh, character layout artist or a BG layout artist. And in that year, 
I had spent a lot of time uh, drawing, um, you know, like extensive backgrounds and perspective and, you know, just really thinking of composition and everything. And I was thinking at the time that my goal was to go be a layout artist on a 2D feature movie eventually. Um, not really taking into account myself about how much animation 2D stuff was going to be going away. And so I picked EG layout uh, for the show. And uh, what that means is, is when you're doing layout on a TV series like uh, The Simpsons or, or uh, Futurama, most shows don't work this way. Um, but, you know, Simpsons always had, so then, uh, you know, Futurama did. And layout is like an extra step for a TV show where it's basically like, you know, doing the cinematography pass on the show where you take the storyboards and then you start creating all the shots as they are, um, you know, laying them out on paper, um, taking the storyboards, setting the camera fielding, uh, setting up the camera pans, drawing them all out. And then the character layout artist then gets the BG with the storyboards and then starts, you know, posing out the characters. And what they'll do is they'll pose out like the main acting beats, um, you know, to try and get the main gist of the, you know, the character acting. Um, and sometimes you can treat it like animation, um, but because of the way TV works, you can't really animate and layout uh, too much because it just, you know, they're going to end up redoing it all overseas anyway. So it's, it's all about honing it down to just the core essence of what a scene needs to get the point across. And the idea is that with layout is that it was another, you know, kind of step in the process that would uh, kind of maintain quality. Um, and so, yes, I picked BG layout and that's what I did for about the first season. Uh, and then I, I actually kind of regretted my choice. Um, and cause I was a little bit ignorant about TV animation and, uh, you know, what the roles would be. And, you know, I realized soon that, that, uh, BG layout, uh, people, um, you know, they ended up not getting paid as much in the union, um, at the time as a character layout artist. And this was a non-union show. Um, and they did start us all out at the same salary, uh, when we started, but, um, you know, I just found that like the nature of what the TV show needed and for drawing the backgrounds, um, you know, once you drew Fry sitting on the couch in the break room in, in the, you know, the Planet Express building, um, and then you've got to draw the couch on the same angle or a different angle. And, you know, six months later, you've drawn that couch like, you know, 50 million times. And so, you know, you could kind of get your work done uh, pretty quickly and, uh, you know, it, it, it was a good learning experience, um, but I, I really realized, oh my God, I should have just gone right to the character layout. And, um, so then I, I did that for the second season and, um, you know, I, it went okay for the first half of the season. And I, I worked on a bunch of episodes like, uh, raging bender and, um, uh, the Nixon for president one where he turns into the giant robot at the end. Um, <laughs> and, uh, the uh, first one with, um, uh, evil, evil bender. Um, you know, there's a whole opening of that show where they go skidding through the rockets, um, you know, the robot rockets and, and, you know, knocking mm -hmm. their legs off in the gremlin that I was driving. Um, and I did all that stuff, but the, the, one of the things I struggled with as, as an artist, um, was keeping the characters on model. 
And I would say at the time there, from my experience, being on a TV show um, almost felt like being on a sports team where, um, you know, you're, you're, you're only good for um, whatever season you're on, you know, and then if you end up the next season not doing as good, then they just cut you. And um, so I was really, really good at doing BGs. And I was medium good at doing character layout. And it mostly came down to my draftsmanship uh, in being able to keep the characters on model. And one of the things it's like, some people just get it really, really quickly. And others, uh, you know, struggle with it. And so then I spent most of season two doing character layout. And then I moved back to BG. And I did that for the remainder of the show until it got canceled the first time. And then, uh, you know, after that, that was the end of my time with uh, that show. But it was about three years of um, crazy overtime, uh, a lot of learning, um, you know, all my college friends all sitting there at cubicles back at CalArts, then transplanted to cubicles in the studio, uh, except now instead of debt, we're making money and none <laughs> of us have kids. And so it was uh, just a, a crazy fun time uh, with a lot of, you know, going out to restaurants. There was a, a bar across the street called Duffy's uh, that uh, we used to go to every Friday. And, uh, you know, our, our, our layout team would sit there and we would close the bar at, at 2.30 in the morning or 2 in the morning, whatever it was, um, because we were, you know, 25, you know. <laughs> so you don't necessarily remember those five yeah. seasons. Gotcha. <laughs> you have you have worked on a lot of the my, my favorite episodes on Futurama, though, because I had to look it up, like Fry in the Slurm Factory. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the Raging Vendor, I really like that. The Honking and yeah, Anthology of Interest 2. Mm-hmm. But then I got to season five and I saw Jurassic Bark and I got sad again. Oh. Because it, it, if you want to be depressed watching a cartoon, you watch that episode of Futurama. Like that, that'll just bring you down to tears. Like, like take, take Toy Story in three and like times that by five and you get Jurassic Bark. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't think he wrote the story. Yeah. Well, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. It's all your I fault, just, Ryan. It's all your fault. I blame you for it. Um, we knew it was going to make you cry. <laughs> I didn't know that, you yet, but we yeah. didn't know. That's yeah. that's why I drew it's that. Somewhere couch out that way. there, there's a kid. Yeah, I did. I did work on that last. Uh, I don't remember most of my work in that show. Um, there are certain things, you know, because it's been so much time. Where I remember episodes that I worked on. Um, but not every detail of every episode. And some of the shots, you know, are more throwaway shots, you know, because they're like interstitial cuts and stuff like that. So you don't remember every like line that you draw. Um, but I do remember the last shot of that show. And um, it was uh, me and my friend David Lee, who was the uh, 2D animator effects artist. And it was one of the things they, they did hire um, our, our friend Dave, um, is a tremendously talented uh, special effects animator um, who had just been assisting on uh, uh, Iron Giant. And when that wrapped, um, we showcased his work to the owners of the show and the studio and said, oh, my God, this guy could come in and animate this stuff. And they went for it and they brought him in. And, um, you know, he basically for that first run of the show, he was uh, an animator who, who did special 2D animated effects. And so there's 
one of the things I thought that shined about the show, uh, what made it look uh, a, a cut above some other things that might have been on uh, around the same time was just the fact that we had this extra little fully animated 2D stuff. So, um, so with that, um, Dave and I worked on that last scene. And so I drew uh, a basic BG of the pizza shop. And then I started taking all the elements of the BG because it's a big time lapse. And then I started breaking them off onto different animation layers. And every piece of paper was another portion of it. And then for each portion of each one of those layers, then I started doing all the time changes. So then each different layer of a portion of the building had another drawing in it that detailed with cracks showing and seasons changing and snow coming and snow going away. And after I, I laid out this whole architecture of this massive, massive scene, uh, uh, David went in and uh, started animating uh, snow falling and rain and stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And by the time we were done, we presented them with, um, you know, a single scene that was going to have um, over a hundred layers of animation. <laughs> uh, time out. Now, ultimately, um, they had to pare it way down uh, because it was too complicated um, and it couldn't be done feasibly uh, for a TV show. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so, you know, what you get there is a kind of a, a, um, about half of the work that we actually put into that shot to get it to, to really animate between the seasons and do like a true time lapse. But, uh, you know, it, it gets the idea across and, and does what it needs to do. And so it's kind of yeah. us and our uh, kind of lack of experience of just going for the big thing mm -hmm. instead of uh, thinking about what actually would work. But I, I do remember mm -hmm. doing that shot and being excited for it. Well, well if it had remained that what you just said I, I i don't i still would be recovering to this day probably <laughs> uh, yeah right but ryan, ryan has a thing with with animals um in shows and movies where if something happens to them he he, he will not watch it so right, that's not an episode for you yeah i know i know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah. they'll be like you should watch this show and i'm like is there an animal in it oh yeah yeah does anything happen to the animal? <laughs> Maybe. Okay, I'm not going to watch that show. <laughs> Same with I hear you. I can't watch um, ever since, um, you know, we, we've had kids. I, I can't watch any movie where, where kids are, are hurt. Yeah. Like, or something like if it's some, like, you know, rated R murder mystery thriller and a, a kid starts to become the victim, I'm like, yeah, I'll turn it off. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I don't have kids, so I just keep watching. I, I still, I still, yeah, <laughs> doesn't care. I still haven't watched Life of Pi, so cold, dead heart. Yeah, that's why he's got that black background. Okay, I've done my re speaking of the blackness, the darkness. I've done my research. Um, I, I hear I could be totally wrong. I could be been fed false information. I hear that it you're a fan of um, Halloween, the Halloween time of year. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it is my favorite holiday. Yes. Mine too. Absolutely. <laughs> Yay! Hey. Yes. I love yes. Halloween. Um, and then I see on your list that one of my favorite um, horror movies that you, you were a part of, and I'm interested in what all you did on it, uh, The Cabin uh, in the Woods. Yeah, um, that was one that was fun to be a part of, and I was on it for a relatively short amount of time. Um, 
that was uh, one of our other co-workers, if you remember, Chris, was uh, Matt Shumway was the yep. animation supervisor on that show. And uh, so at some point, um, you know, they just, you know, as the shows were getting close to crunch, they needed to bring on some more people. And I forget what I was doing. I, I, I must have wrapped some other show and then became available. And at this point, I wasn't, um, I can't remember if I was a leader or a supervisor at this time. Um, I'm forgetting the time. I think I might have been a lead, um, but not on this show. So I just, yeah, went into that show and just animated. And it was about uh, six or eight weeks of work for me. And, um, you know, we had a few shots. And so I didn't do a whole lot in the movie. But, um, you know, most of what I got to do all revolved around the pandemonium that happens at the end of the oh, yeah. show. <laughs> and so there's, um, you know, the one of the shots, you, it, it's it's not even a main shot in the show, but there's a shot where there's the murder robot, the murder bot. Yeah. Um, it was this giant box with like chainsaws and all this stuff and spider legs, but it's just a big box with like robot legs. Um, and it's just uh, barreling down a stairway, uh, you know, doing all this stuff. Um, and I believe it's Bradley Whitford sees it on one of the closed circuit TVs when he's in the control room. Um, so there's a bunch of shots of all these multiple things happening. And then, um, there was the, uh, the dragon bat, uh, the big flying thing that was, you know, flying into walls. And, um, I had, uh, just this one short sequence of it where it just kind of comes out of a hole in the wall and then just starts flying and hitting every wall down the hallway as it disappears and, and <laughs> goes away. And then, um, after that, there was uh, the uh, the cycles, and so um, everyone that was on the show had to make um, kind of video game like idle cycles of all these monsters, and we just had to make you know bunches of them. And uh, uh, and so what that meant was is you know you just basically uh, it's a wide elevator shot at the end of the movie where um, you know they call out and you just see boxes of all the, the tens of thousands of monsters you know all laid out in all their little cubes and uh, so everyone was just you know making cycles like just make something make something and it was just like dragon bats and, and scary little girls and all this stuff and it was all these <laughs> things with them just kind of ambling back and forth or doing something different and, and uh, one of the things I, I don't know if people really uh, realize um, is that because um, they're so hard to see and I don't know if it's been talked about because I haven't watched making of stuff for the movie, but um, Valve, uh, the video game company, uh, sent us a bunch of animation. And so there are um, uh, Half-Life monsters. <laughs> there. Um, so there are, there's a whole uh, plethora of the face huggers and the, and the zombie guys or whatever they are, the alien guys from, from uh, Half-Life uh, 2 um, are all in there in that shot. Um, and they were animated directly by Valve. And then what they did was uh, send us um, animation layers um, uh, with lighting layers that we then just did all the compositing on, or Rhythm and Hughes did, to put them in the, uh, in the shot. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, one thing that was fun about working on that movie is that we had overtime. Um, and so we were working weekends, and that wasn't the fun part, but it was on Halloween. And so I was sitting there on Halloween at like nine in the morning on like a Saturday or Sunday animating a monster movie. And I'm like, 
That's kind of neat. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Do you have a favorite um, Halloween season movie that you always watch every Halloween? Well, yep, yep. There's there's a few. Um, every time, um, every time it gets towards the end of September, um, I have to watch um, the Adventures of Ichabod Crane. I just yeah. I. <laughs> That when you talk about Disney stuff, and I know it's a, a TV special and, and all that stuff, and, and you know not necessarily the effort put forth of, of some of their other feature stuff at the time, but it's just for all the storytelling and character design and animation of it, it, it is mm-hmm. just one of my absolute favorite things that Disney has ever done, and um, I love it to pieces. And it's one of those things that um, every year I, I have to watch it, and, and just instantly puts me in the mood. And, um, so I, I'm also, um, I love old school spooky stuff. I, I'm not really into violence, um, yeah. and but like slasher gore movies. So I don't really watch those, but I, I love all the old universal movies. I love campy. I love watching <laughs> the 1950s, like really cheesy B movies. Um, you know, stuff like Beetlejuice is there. Um, mm-hmm. I love watching Beetlejuice every year. Um, but then there's also like some of the stuff from the 1960s, like the uh, uh, there's this Criterion Collection movie, The Innocence, um, which is a movie I just absolutely love. And the original Haunting, not the uh, 90s <laughs> Haunting. Um, but the, oh, yeah. Was it Vincent Price? Is that the, is that the Vincent Price one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that one's fun. Yeah. Been a while since I've watched it, but yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I always have to watch it every year to go. Yeah, but <laughs> no, I love. I, I just—it's one of those movies where it's like you know that movie is all about the cinematography, the, the black and white haunting, and uh, you know they don't show so much as as much as they just use the camera to make it feel oppressive and dreadful. And uh, I just I love it. absolutely. I always have to find. Um, I usually find it online because I can't really find anywhere else on YouTube. The the Garfield Halloween special. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it just reminds me of childhood, like in Halloween, and it's it, and I just remember being really creeped out as a kid because the <laughs> the, the old man like in the cabin was just super creepy. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's just I don't know. It's a it's a fun little thing for Halloween. <laughs> it's funny because I was like Sleepy Hollow every um, every Halloween season. Every week. Yeah, yeah. Every, so, week. every like Halloween season, I walked to the Johnny Depp Sleepy Hollow. I actually had the headless horseman sitting back here, statue of him. Okay. So um, yeah, so I'm right there with the uh, old Ichabod Crane and stuff. That's cool. Um, well, let's jump. Let's. We started talking about Runaway Railway, but we we sort of sidetracked. So let's jump back to that and. As, as much detail as we can go into, we go into, I know it's Disney and there's snipers all around. And um, <laughs> I don't want you to, if we see a red dot, we'll just shut down the stream. Um, <laughs> just tell me to duck. <laughs> it's such a fascinating ride that because it has a 2D and a 3D and everything mixed together. Um, now, is the is it going to be the same in LA or in Disneyland, Anaheim? Or is it going to be a little different? or? Yeah, they've, um, you could expect there might be a few new surprises, but it's, we're, we're remaking the ride. Um, so there's like some of those things because they haven't announced, I can't really go into detail about Mm -hmm. what's going to be new or how it's going to be new or different. 
Um, but you know, it's, we're remaking the ride and you could just expect that because you have to remake things, not everything always happens exactly the same way. So that gives you opportunities to come up with some new things. So there will be some, some differences. Yeah, because I know, I mean, even the, probably the inside jokes, because I know the one in, in Florida, it replaced a ride, and there's little inside jokes in the ride mm-hmm. about, you know, the um, great movie ride. The great movie ride. Yeah. And so I'm sure those probably <laughs> won't be, that wouldn't make sense to be at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, the whole setup, which they haven't announced, is going to be different to get into the ride because obviously you're not going to the Grauman's, yeah. uh, you know, okay. Chinese theater to go see the premiere of his new short. You're already in Toontown, um, and so you know the conceit of the ride, right, is is that you get brought into the cartoon world to see, you know, you buy Mickey Mouse and then you travel through the cartoon, and so it's going to be a little bit of a different um, uh, intro uh, as far as you know what the you know, what they have announced is that there's the El Capitoon Theater is what they've put on, on the artwork that they've put out instead of the, the groundings. But, uh, Did you work on the intro at all or just for the main ride? So um, if you're talking about the theater uh, piece, yes, um, I did help with that. Um, so, but I, I wasn't responsible um, for the storytelling that yeah. happened at that portion. Um, I had at one point uh, was boarding um, a script a script by our creative director uh, for that section, and um, due to the you know uh, what's necessary for making the timing and everything work, um, what we had was way too long. And so at that point, uh, Paul Rudish, who is the creator of the Mickey Shorts, um, and it was basically going to be a whole single cartoon. It was just easier just to have them just do it. So it went over to the Mickey Shorts guys and they just made what they made for that. Uh, but, you know, we would have kind of creative meetings and talk about like notes and stuff like that. And uh, we did watch it together um, and kind of, you know, do some takes and notes uh, with Mercury Animation about it. Um, but I, I wasn't as involved in the actual like how the jokes went. And uh, the guys there on the Mickey Shorts, the, the people that they had working there or have working there are, are some of the most talented people I've, I've seen. Um, they're, they're super great people, wonderful, funny, and incredible board artists. And they really make those shorts sing. Like the boarding they do on that show is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hats off to them. We love watching those shorts. Yeah, those are really good. And myself. Uh, it, that, that intro sits up that ride so perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to, to ride it before the world shut down. I got mm-hmm. to see that part, and I was talking to a guy today, and um, said that we we're having you on tonight, and, and about what you did. He goes, "Yeah, you know, we because he just got back from Disney about a month ago or something." He goes, he goes "I just didn't get the ride because it was mm-hmm. I liked it, but I was confused." And I'm like, "You didn't have the intro, did you?" And he said, "Oh no, no there's an intro." And I'm like, "Yeah, see, the intro sets it up perfectly, and then the yeah. whole ride makes sense." Um, so, mm-hmm. so during the pandemic, you know, they haven't had the intro. So some people first time writing may be a little confused, but trust me, the intro, when you see the intro, the whole thing makes perfect sense. And it's, it's one of my mm-hmm. favorite rides at Disney oh. now. I love it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, yeah, it's, it is an important bit and it is sad. Um, you know, the necessities of it that, that require that it can't be seen, um, because it does, it sets up the whole ride and it's, it's, 
even though you have a little bit more of, of, of queue line after it to get on the, the actual ride, it's it's a little similar to, um, you know, um, Rise of the Resistance in that manner because our, our vehicles are the same technology and our pre-shows um, set up the story. So like the pre-show at Rise of the Resistance, like, you know, except theirs is just on a, a much bigger scale. So it's like they have kind of like two or three pre-shows before you get to the ride and ours <laughs> is, you know, the one. Um, but yeah, without it, it's, you know, then it's just, um, you know, kind of chaos happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. There is a lot of chaos that happens, a lot of chaos. but it, yeah. it is so cool. So how I still was it? Enjoy it. Yes. Oh, I, yeah. I, I didn't see the, the intro, well, yeah, that's but right. I still enjoyed it, it for what it, for what it is. I mean, it's just a fun ride and all the animation and, and things that happened, you know, it's just a, it's a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. I never was a huge fan of the great movie ride, so I was kind of glad. <laughs> One of the few. Somebody, here comes the comments now. Oh god! <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about how because it's it's got the two D and the three D and how it mixes and how that you know don't give away the, you don't have to give away the magic, but how was that for you working in basically two D and three D mixing them together? for a ride because that's that's like a third element you got a ride and then you have 2d animation 3d animation all going on at the same time and i mean it's perfect the way it came out but how was that i'm sure that was something new for you to work on sure yeah it was definitely a little bit of a challenge um especially in the beginning and and not because not because of like a technical hardship it's you know, when you're on projects sometimes and you're going for a very specific art direction or look, um, the challenge is, is to, to make sure you nail that look and keep it consistent. And so, you know, early on, you know, we could have, have done any number of different things. And my mindset going into it, um, you know, when I was new on the project was uh, I was thinking about this anime movie, uh, Tech on Concrete. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Um, it's uh, an early 2000s anime movie, and uh, it's on DVD. And uh, I forget the name of the director. He was like this uh, 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 North American uh, guy that went to Japan. He was like a, one of the first ever actual directors of a, you know, of a anime feature in Japan. They usually don't let foreigners come in the country to do that. Like it's, it's hard for them to break in. But what they did in that show was, um, you know, they were like one of these first ones that took uh, a lot of 3D uh, generated models and sets uh, with cameras. And they basically textured them with uh, with the 2D artwork. And so it was different than the type of lighting you would do where you're applying, you know, uh, texture maps and everything and lighting and compositing and trying to get you know, all the pretty lights and everything for something to look like it's three-dimensional and real. It was more of the giving um, dimension and letting the artwork uh, carry uh, the lighting, you know. In it. And so that was kind of like a, a roadmap for me and thinking about how we went through it. And then from there, it was, uh, you know, just looking at how the show is done, just watching the shorts like ad nauseum and trying to figure out every bit of timing and structure of their shots and when they did certain types of shots that required 3D themselves because they do have some and they hide it very well. And so that informed a bunch. 
And uh, so with, with getting into it, um, we ended up at one point I was thinking we would build more of the backgrounds in the shots out of 3d models that we would do like tucking concrete. Uh, but then working with the guys on my team, um, you know, they were very, very talented, uh, you know, uh, kind of compositors and effects guys, um, you know, and kind of generalist guys. And we would kind of talk about the concepts and I would get on a whiteboard and just kind of draw out like what I think the look should be and how these things should be layered. And then we'd have a bit of a back and forth because, you know, th those guys were more knowledgeable about how to achieve some of the stuff than I was. You know, I could think of the concept and uh, think about what I wanted it to be. Um, but, you know, some of the guys I was working with, you know, they're, you know, I, I, I'm not a user of a compositing software like Nuke or, um, you know, some of the uh, actual, you know, computer effects software. Like I, I know animation, like character stuff, but, you know, I, I don't know how to do the other stuff. And so these guys, you know, came out with a bag of tricks and could solve anything. And uh, so that informed us back to going uh, to, you know, utilizing a lot of uh, animation on cards and uh, kind of faking 3D stuff uh, with it. And um, so, yeah, it, it, it really is a hodgepodge. And um, when you get into the ride, um, the, the thing that happened with us a lot was um, because of the timing, um, the structure of the ride to make sure it all flowed, um, each room like is a different like location, right? And so that you go through. And so each one of those, because of how they're set up, required um, a, uh, a different approach. Um, so there wasn't like a, a locked down, this is our production standard and this is what we're gonna do for everything as we go through the ride. It was like, oh, well, this one is, this is what's happening. And the best way to do that is to make a 3D model that we're texturing everything onto. This one, the characters are going from left to right. So we can just keep it all 2D flat and then do like stuff uh, with the layers to just separate them and, and offset their animation. Um, one of the, the main rules I just had uh, for this uh, was that everything um, that we could make kinetic needed to be kinetic so it didn't feel like you were looking at still images. Um, and it was one of the hard things because it's supposed to be a living animated world but to make animation living, you don't want to take a 2D show like that and start to make it 3D because it ruins what's good about the aesthetic of that show. It would destroy it. Mm -hmm. right. So the trick is to do 3D kind of motions and placements of things, but keep everything in a 2D card-based world. Mm -hmm. um, and that ended up working the best for us. I'm not sure if that makes total sense to everyone. Um, <laughs> so if there's more... Uh, I, I can try and describe it a different way. Uh, that sound okay, Chris? Uh, yeah, it makes sense to me. Uh, Katrin, did you get it? Yes, you good? I got it. Yeah, okay. right. Brian, you good? Oh, all, all of it. <laughs> uh, okay, no, I did. I understood. Um, <laughs> this is a random question, and I, I'm probably uh, if it if if I say something that's stupid, just say yeah, that's not how that's done. Oh, I didn't Katrin's know we could like, do that. Yeah, you could say that. You could say yeah. that's stupid. Okay. <laughs> How many project? Uh, how many project? Okay, first off, kids, it's all real. These are real Mickey Mouse running around. Okay, now close your ears. <laughs> how many projectors does it take to do something like that? Um, you know, it it, it depends. It's it's. 
I don't know if I'm allowed to say the exact oh, okay. number. You don't uh, have a bunch. A bunch. But you it's, say a bunch. <laughs> it's a it's a bunch. Because um, <laughs> I yeah. like looking at that technical stuff, and what, so when I'm on the ride, don't ruin it. Oh come on. No, I just look at them like <laughs> you're like, one of those. Why? Because yeah. I like that. You're gonna, stuff. Are you going to explain the Pepper's Ghost? Uh, <laughs> I can. You want me to? <laughs> no, I just look at that stuff. I'm like, man, this because it's part of the art to me. It's part of the, you know, this is part of the art. Like how they make this happen is part yeah. of the art. So I like to look around and be like, how did they do this? How does this work? And because it's amazing to me, just look at all that. Like the when Mickey and Minnie come out on their little car, and that's uh-huh. the, and you see this sort of 3d but it still looks sort of 2d it's just amazing how and i would you know we're not going to ruin the magic but i would love to know exactly how all that works but we, we don't it's, have to it's ruin horrible the to ride a ride with because you look around <laughs> and go, oh well you know that's fake this is <laughs> that like over it, there that's not real he doesn't get scared at haunted houses he knows what's coming up and Sorry, it's because I worked in haunted houses for years, and I know all the magic. Even if you're on like rock and roller coaster, just going super fast, he's like, "That's not really Steve Tyler." <laughs> you know, we're only going thirty miles an hour. I still like the magic, but I like the other part of it too. I like the the technical part of it and how it works and how they can turn the great movie ride into this, you know, the same building into this magnificent thing where. One minute you're dancing with Daisy, the next you're falling down a waterfall, and you're all in this building, and it's just really cool to me. And I'm sure Ryan thinks yeah. it's really cool too. <laughs> well, it's I, I'm the same way. I mean, you know, I, I, uh, you know, this was a, a real first ride experience for me. Um, you know, working on it, and um, you know, this is coming from being a fan and you know, loving to go to Disneyland and. The Haunted Mansion and, and the original Pirates are, you know, my, my two favorite rides in the whole world. And I revere those things. And, you know, of course, being an animation fan and loving the Nine Old Men and then a lot of those other artists like, you know, uh, uh, Claude Coates and, and Raleigh Crump and um, all these other guys and Herb Ryman uh, are all imagine, uh, Imagineering artists, you know, and the work that they did on these rides, you know, I've I revered it. So, you know, I always am like looking for everything and how it's done. And I remember years ago before they released this stuff, I had a friend that had a bunch of the ride soundtracks on cassette tape mm-hmm. uh, that another friend of his that had worked somewhere uh, was able to get his hands on them and probably shouldn't have. And so, you know, we started like listening and he let me copy all his tapes. And then that was the first time I was like, Oh my God, I can listen to this outside of the park. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it took a few years later, about five years later, they started releasing all the CDs and that stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've got like, uh, 80 gigs on my computer here of, uh, of, you know, uh, Disneyland soundtracks. Oh, wow. I just, I, yeah, <laughs> I just love it to death. So I always thought about it. So I, I came into this, you know, like wondering that too. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things that was really fun about this experience for me is that um, coming into this, right? Like it's, it's always the thing that people say, it's like, everyone does everything. And um, there is some truth to that. And some of the people I work with are, they're amazing engineers. Um, and uh, you know, they're, they're these people that they, they can sculpt, um, they can build machines, they, they can draw, like they can do all this stuff. And so when you're trying to think of like, how do we make this story work? And then someone goes, well, what if we put it on, you know, this doodad that we can pop up. And then if we use this special projector with this lens, 
that I'll make it feel like it's warping around this image. And they're like, yeah, we can do that. And so it's kind of this like shooting off ideas back and forth. Uh, that was really exciting to me. And so a lot of the, the, you know, uh, more technical aspects of how it's done and how it's balanced was me coming in and working with these incredibly, um, knowledgeable people, um, that knew all this stuff. And then it was me taking in what they were saying and realizing opportunity, you know, like, Ooh, if we did that and that does that effect, then, you know, and, you know, Goofy can be on a, a, a TV screen or whatever. That's a layer in front. So he looks like he's in third dimension in, inside the loco. Um, then we can, um, we can add all this other stuff. And, and, you know, then I start thinking about how to make the animation work and how to make it more alive. And so it was, a lot of this like back and forth with incredibly talented people. Like one of the, this uh, uh, gentleman who just retired, his name is Thomas LeDuc, uh, was an absolute genius of a man who just knows how to make anything happen. So when you, you talk about someone that knows how to make like ride stuff, I mean, he, he, you know, he has a, I don't know how long his career is, um, but he, he knows how to do it. Like he's got an idea for everything. And uh, working with someone like that was an incredible learning experience for me. So it was like, you know, it was like going into this thing where you're like dumped into a pit of smart people and you're just getting fed all this wonderful information and you just get to take it in and, and try and give back something with them and hopefully keep up with them. So, you know, that was kind of a gist of my experience there, but uh, very non-technical way, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, a que here's a question that won't ruin the magic. That will be more catered in Chris's speed for the ride. It won't bore them. <laughs> I didn't say it was boring. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, like, won't ruin the magic. What <laughs> do you have a favorite gag on the ride? Let's see. Um, I love uh, the uh, there's 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 two ways to think about it. There's the uh, kind of technical side of the gag and how it achieves a look. And then there's the actual joke gags um, that are in there. And um, I really, really love, um, you know, the, the dimensional um, kind of uh, layered figures. Mm -hmm. So the, the stuff we have in, in the booths and the carnival and uh, Goofy and the mm -hmm. locomotive are some of my favorite things. Um, but then in the city, um, the city uh, has a bunch of extra little stuff uh, in there. And it's one of the ones that, that people go through quicker. Um, and there's a lot happening yeah. in it. Um, yeah. And it's too much for everyone to, to take in. Uh, but there was a, a fun thing where our artist in the field working on, on the show, uh, this uh, guy, Dave Christoffers, uh, who's one of those jack of all trades guys who knows how to do everything. Um, he figured out something with, our projector coverage and figured out how we could start adding lighting effects to things that where projection wasn't supposed to be. And as soon as he showed me that, then the two of us were like kids in the candy store sitting there going, Ooh, we can make this happen. We can make this happen. So, you know, like there's little things like Daisy's, uh, our, there's the tutu van that Donald's uh, driving in the city portion. And um, there's a light blinker on it. And that's not an actual light. It's, it's from a projector. Um, that's just illuminating the black light that's on the car to make it look like the thing's going in. And then what I, I asked him to do was uh, there's um, on the sidewalk, there's a, a road going into the, 
into the you know the image where it looks like the road's going in forced perspective all the way into the distance yeah. and on one corner of the sidewalk there's a little newspaper that i drew and i gave it to to dave christoffers and he took it and you know the the road is is a ramp and then there's the the screen where the road keeps going into the image and the um the newspaper is on the ground um in in the in the dimensional part of the world and then it blows into the bg image um so we actually have this newspaper on the ground that trans uh, transposes from the flat ground and blows into the screen and then is sitting there and then the traffic comes up and takes it away and it's a short little thing and it was a late edition and i just i, I love that we got that in there um and then um the other thing was just um you know, as far as my my favorite thing was was figuring out the the transformation um, in the finale scene and, and how all that goes, um, all the animation involved with that, um, the planning of it, all the two D nature of it. That was one of those things that um, you know I, we had an early presentation to executives and, and when John Lasseter was still involved uh, with Disney at the time. And we had to pitch it to him and, you know, and then it's me sitting there going, and then this is going to happen and this, and the trees are going to fall out of the sky like darts and other trees are going to pop like popcorn and the limbs are all going to grow and everything's going to happen organically all around you. And everyone's like, okay, all right, let's, okay, that sounds good. Let's do it. And then it was our job to actually do it. And uh, I feel like we were able to, to get that part of it to work. So I was really happy with the way that came out. Oh, every time I ride the ride, I have to that that part. I'm like looking at different sections of it, saying, "Okay, how's that fold in, or how's that unfold?" I mean, some of them look like umbrellas that you just you know open up to make the trees, or close down to make the trees, and it's really cool. It's you oh, know, thank you. Really cool how you guys have done that. Um, any any other Easter eggs or hidden things that people can look out for? Well, I mean, I, I'd be giving some of them away. Okay. Um, <laughs> I will tell, uh, there are some things that people have seen, um, absolutely, um, that are there and people have noticed. And there's some of the more obvious things, um, you know, like, uh, you know, they, they've made a big talk about how our show, our ride has a B show, uh, which is, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Pluto trying to catch up. So he's kind of a, a late comer in all the scenes and he's there. Um, but there is, um, one secret that is there um, that no one's picked up on yet um, that I haven't seen anywhere. And um, I guess all I'll say about it is that there's only one character that's in every scene of the ride. Interesting. Only one. And no one's picked out who it is. <laughs> um, and there was another secret thing I did um, that is only supposed to happen once every six weeks or so. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's mm. cool. And that secret character is you. <laughs> <laughs> it's one frame of my face that just pops it's on. Awesome. It's, just, it's like Teletubbies, you're in the sun, and it's just going he's in the He's in the, uh, the tornado. <laughs> every six weeks, his face will pop up in the tornado. <laughs> well, I think I, I don't want to, I won't. He's I'll not speaking. I mean, I'll tell you. He's I'll just nodding, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, huh. Oh, hmm. <laughs> I may have an idea who the character is, but I'm not going to say. Um, 
my favorite character in the ride, I'll say I'll say who my favorite character in the ride is the little bird. Ah, Chubby. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Juggling the eggs and everything. Cracks me up every time. <laughs> Crack, cracks you up? Well, he cracks, he cracks me up, yeah. <laughs> oh, look at you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back in September, so now I'm going to have to figure out who's in every scene. I'll just yeah. tell my family, hey, you guys can have fun. I've got to ride this ride over and over again. Over and over again. <laughs> be standing up on the ride, turning around, turning around. The hard thing is, is that to be able to actually uh, see this character is you have to be able to ride all four cars um, because oh. a single ride through uh, can't allow you to see it because of That's the crazy. nature of how the cars go. Because mm. it's one of the things we did figure out early on is that um, due to the nature of the self-driving vehicles, it's really hard to tell a singular um, uh, kind of linear storyline. Because the cars, you know, need space to be able to do what they do. And so that kind of left us with a way to try and figure out the best way to convey story um, for the glimpses that people get it. And so that kind of drove us towards the kind of, you know, pandemonium chaos of the cartoon world just happening where it's just crazy. So it's like there's a different story in car one. You see the beginnings of things. And in car four, you see the endings of things. And so you get different, different feel. You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, there's in the underwater scene, uh, Pluto gets shot out of the, uh, as a torpedo, you know, as he's chasing them down. Um, that happens in the, uh, the big, long, uh, you know, underwater scene with the Kraken and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the first two cars out of the room never see that, you know, um, hmm. and it's little stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, my son, every, every, every time we ride it, he goes, we go through that scene and he's like, watch. He's gonna play the trumpet. He's gonna play the trumpet. And then one time, the car that we were in, we didn't see him play the trumpet. And he's like, he didn't play the trumpet. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> he loves the uh, cracking playing the trumpet. Uh, so with that, so like in in movies and stuff, we're doing shots and like um, not drink shots. Oh, but okay. the, um, we do those <laughs> actual we sequences. Know, family like, friendly. Yeah. Um, we're watching this like we're watching them over and over again. So like with that, like having to like every four cars, like whenever you're doing tweaks and everything, like I mean you're probably having to ride this ride like so many times to like get the full effect of how everything's working. So if you like tweak one thing, ride the ride again. Yeah. And like, well, we just sit in row two this time, and now I got to sit in four. That's uh, you. You've had to ridden quite a bit oh yeah yeah no i i've i've been on it um hundreds of times um hundreds and hundreds of times um and that's even not even you know the actual right um one of the the things that um you know isn't really a secret either is you know they they do a lot of pre-visualization of the rides with unreal and mm -hmm. so we use the game engine and, and build out the whole buildings and we start adding our media in and so one of the things that happened on this ride is I was really not clear coming into it about like, you know, cause I'm used to a VFX production pipeline where everything is like, like a, a train car, you know, everything follows the other thing. And in a perfect world, you know, the, the guy in the, in the step before you finishes their work before they send it to you. And then you finish your work and send it to the next person. And of course it gets a little bit more chaotic than that. Um, but in an ideal world, it happens that way. And so I was wondering who was going to be, um, you know, 
because uh, for animation, like 2D animation, you, you need to have audio to be able to time your stuff to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just wasn't happening. And so then um, we just started talking about it. And then uh, I ended up uh, started making, uh, just grabbed Premiere and the videos we were making of stuff. And I started editing stuff together. And next thing you know, I'm laying out all the audio for the show. And then I'm talking with our creative director and then uh, with some, uh, one of the other artists that we had with us, um, a very talented animatronics animator, Avi, um, we started recording scratch dialogue. So we basically made a whole scratch version of the ride. And then I took <laughs> that scratch dialogue with some of our other videos of stuff. And I started cutting together the audio. And then once I started cutting together the audio and we're working with Disney TV, then it was about trying to figure out um, by looking at videos of the cars um, with the audio that I made and the storyboards from Disney TV, um, how those things fit together. And that was a couple year process of testing and you know relearning and fixing. And, and so by the time we got to the field, um, there were some uh, adjustments that happened, um, but we were the goal was to figure out all the big gotchas before we got there. Um, so we didn't have to redo things because at that point, uh, with the, the last year of uh, construction on the ride, um, you know, it's not really conducive for us with the nature of how 2D animation is made to go back to Mercury and go, hey, uh, we need you to redo all this animation. Um, so the goal was to try and figure it all out, know what was going to happen. So we worked with what we had. And then we just had to be nimble enough in the field uh, to just adjust things as needed when, when little problems or little sync issues or something that might have arisen that we hadn't anticipated. Um, mm. But it, and I will say for for us, and, and I credit our producer Sharita and uh, my other uh, uh, visual effects producer uh, Becky Train that I worked with is uh, one of the brightest people I've I've ever worked with. She's so smart. Um, you know, um, they they really helped us plan. And, and figure it out and uh, troubleshoot and make it work. And so that when we got there, um, for our, our team's part of media, um, our, our stuff, you know, went okay. You know, like it wasn't like a, you know, like some creative project you work on, no matter how good the intentions are, um, some creative projects just, you know, require or end up having so much overtime um, or crazy workloads, you know, because sometimes there's things that happen that you can't foresee and the rug kind of gets pulled out from under you, and next thing you know, you're redoing entire sequences. And uh, we were able to avoid that, uh, which was great. So, very cool. So you must do a mean Mickey Mouse then if you're doing a scratch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh boy! Gosh. There you go. Uh, but uh, perfect. Avi, <laughs> uh, so it's funny enough, and I, I can tell this. Um, uh, Avi, um, uh, the other animatronic an- a guy that I was working with. He is really good at voices, and for all the scratch, he did um, he did Goofy and, and, and uh, uh, Mickey, uh, and I did Daisy and Minnie. So I was uh, <laughs> Minnie Mouse uh, for the ride, and um, yeah, that was. Uh, so I took my my reads, and I, I tried to do my best uh, girl voice that I could. But then I, I took all the audio, and I did shift the pitch up uh, to get the <laughs> you know. The, kind of the, the feel of a dude doing it uh, away. And it, it worked okay. It worked okay. It was really funny. But the, the funniest part about it for me, and this was like one of the, the best memories I have of working on the ride, is when we're recording um, the uh, the actors. Um, so the, you know, the folks that come in, um, 
to do uh, you know the the voices so the, the voice of Minnie Mouse comes in and uh, oh god she's such a sweet lady she's lovely um, and um, she has to hear me doing Minnie because um, <laughs> they're they're playing the clips for her mm-hmm. um, you know to kind of give her an idea of like the range or something you know the not to tell her like you need to match it. It wasn't anything like that at all. It was just more of a timing and yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so it's in her. Her name is uh, Rusie Taylor, and she's just this woman uh, that is. You know, she also does the voice of Ralph Wiggum and <laughs> Baby Gonzo and, and all these other voices. You know, Rusie did hundreds of voices, and so she's like a titan of, of you know uh, character animation voices. And so she comes in and she's like, hi, how are you? She meets you for the first time. She gives you a big hug and a kiss. And she takes your face in both hands and says, oh, that beard. Oh, 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 wow, look at you. And you're just like, hi. Uh, You're like, it's a pandemic. Leave me alone. This was before that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But um, she comes in and then they play it for her. And she's like, she turns to me and she's like, honey. That was just absolutely wonderful. <laughs> but that was not many. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Totally get it. Okay. She's like, I'm a dude. I get it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's funny. <laughs> we didn't really touch on this, uh, the animatronics. And how many animatronics are there in the ride? Um, about twelve-ish. Twelve. Because that's another that's another part of this. You get the two D, three D, and then the traditional like animatronics, Disney animatronics. Mm-hmm. Um, has that technology changed much over the years, or do they sort still sort of use the same kind of stuff that they've been using for ever? I would say it's a little bit of both, um, yeah. and it really just depends on the needs of whatever ride or assignment or you know, whatever it is that you're doing, uh, different projects require different things. And so there isn't like a protocol necessarily of these are our animatronics and this is what we do and this is how we build it. Cause you're dealing with legacy rides that are really, really old and it's not always, uh, just feasible to just replace all the animatronics with new technology just because it's new. Um, you know, there, there has to be, um, there has to be kind of a, a cost business incentive uh, to spend the money for it, uh, to make it happen. And um, I think some people get the idea or the feeling of like Disney has so much money and everything that they can just, you know, someone has an idea and go, Hey, I'd like to do that. And they're like, yeah, let's just build that. You know, there, there's a whole lot of thought that goes into planning uh, how the rides happen and who makes them and when, and that kind of dictates those things. So like, you know, I, I can say that, you know, they, when they took out um, the great movie ride, you know, they did repurpose a lot of the animatronics that were, you know, 20 years old in there uh, to go into other rides, you know, and they use them for parts and other things where they replace other characters. And, you know, they, they try to recycle and reuse as much as possible as they can. But on the other side, you know, there's other things that require brand new technology. So like in the Navi River journey, um, um you know, there's the Navi uh, the shaman lady at the end, and that's like one of the, you know, the most sophisticated animatronics they've made. Um, I would say that the biggest change you see between old school animatronics and now is that they're they're trying to work more uh, with uh, electric motors yeah. uh, for the servos, um, which are more repeatable. 
over the pneumatic uh, driven systems and the pneumatic systems just kind of fluctuate and change or they're harder to control over time and so the big thing is is yeah that so our ride um you know uh because of the the kind of the case that it was you know it is all new animatronics and it was really just kind of they have a budget and they got to figure out what they can do with that budget and they push it to the limit you know what they can do and, and that's what's basically in the ride there they, they do it so well that like one of the Mickey's is actually a repurposed alien from a great movie ride. Like, you can't yeah. tell. You can't just tell. put the ears on it. That's it. Yeah. That was like, that's, that's all I had wow. to do. And she's like, oh, checked on it. No, no problem. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, because like it, like Space Mountain, for example, people always want to ride it with the lights on. I'm like, oh, I want to ride Space Mountain with the lights on. That'd be cool. This ride would probably be terrifying if you rode it with the projectors off. You'd have like faceless Mickey's, you'd have coming at you in a car and everything. It would probably be like <laughs> Halloween time. Just turn the projectors off and send people through, and this would be horrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it would there be cool, are, <laughs> if if someone had a mind to it, um, uh, you could do some really, um, you know, <laughs> things. Um, uh, you know, because all it is, it's art files and yeah. uh, you could replace it with lots of stuff, but of, of course that's frowned upon, so we don't do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's one of those rides because it is, and there's there's been some footage online, you know, when stuff breaks down or the, the projectors, you know, don't turn on one day or something like that. It's, it's unfortunate. And, you know, we try to make the best thing uh, uh, that we can happen um you know, but there's always the physical world, which always gets in the way. Yeah. Stupid physics. Um, but uh, yeah, if all the projectors off, you're you're going through a ride that's a lot of gray. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, you know. But you know, even if when stuff messes up at Disney, it's a story that you have because how many people yeah. get to go through and say we had to walk off of Pirates of the Caribbean? I mean, it's a cool story. Yeah. So even when stuff breaks or stuff doesn't go right. It, mm-hmm. it's part of the magic. It's part of the story. Cause then you go and tell the story and people are like, I want to write it and see if that happens to me. You know, it's just Russell part of his head. Fell off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pirates broke down and the pirates tried to kill us. Like that's, Oh, that's kingdom. <laughs> no, it's Jurassic oh. park. I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one time years ago, I was at the park with my mom, um, probably about 10 or 12 years ago. And, uh, we were on Matterhorn and uh, it abruptly stopped right at the, almost at the top. Um, and so someone had to come out and walk us out. And, and then it's like, yeah, we're just standing on the track on the side of uh, the Matterhorn. And then they take you through a door and, you know, got to walk down through the middle of it. And that's the only time I've been inside that was that, that one thing. And it was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like, you're looking at all the things and you're like, Oh my God. You know, it's, it's awesome. Well, I mean, we, I mean, I can't believe it. We're already over an hour. So we sort of, we've kept you for an hour and, and this has been amazing. We, I could, I could talk to you probably all night long about all the, the Disney magic and everything. And then I you, could maybe do another five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you guys need. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I have gotten out of the show, that the main thing is that now I have to either figure out how to clone myself so I can ride all the cars at the same time at Mickey's Runaway Railway, or I just have to ride it a ton of times and then somehow video each time and then put it all together. I'm going to be that guy that has the wall with the yarn going everywhere, trying to figure stuff out. 
because I've now yep. I, now I have to figure out what characters in every scene, and I have to write it for six weeks so I can see this magical thing pop up. There's plans within plans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Try to puzzle it out, Clarice. Um, <laughs> this will be the right. death of me. <laughs> well, I would say if uh, talking about, I know I said all four cars, and technically it is that because of the different cars and the different viewpoints. But you could probably get away with it by doing the first and the last car. First and the last car. Okay. To see all. Narrowed it down. <laughs> but uh, nice. yeah, it was uh, it was an absolute joy to work on. It was one of the best experiences of my of my working career, um, except for the day that I met Chris. Oh, thank you for lying. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Chris uh, coming in and uh, being this young, bright-eyed guy, full of energy and wanting to prove himself in animation and I just wanted to just take that out of him. Just just squash it down and just crush his yeah. soul. Did he, he have did. hair then? Did he, he have did. hair then? I did have hair then. You did have hair. That's what happens. Yeah. It's all gone. Now. Yeah, I I I remember those days when I was happy. <laughs> well it's funny that that show um uh it was the the first time I was supervising. Um and so uh, Chris was one of my, my first animators as a supervisor. And, uh, you know, he was always great to work with because he was always up for whatever needed to be done. And uh, <laughs> he always had good humor and good attitude and made work really easy and fun. And uh, yes, so I, 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 I did always have good humor ice cream. So thank you. Yeah. I know people complained. Yeah, uh, it was came with a little cart with the bell on it. Ding ding ding. Yeah. What's your ice cream? I did I did probably tease Chris just a little bit more than some of the other people. Um, that's, that's, fine. that's that's fine. I get it. Yeah, we um yeah, that was that was my first show. I couldn't have had a better supervisor uh, oh. for my first show. Oh. Yeah. All the other ones we'll put in the sappy music here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I'm sorry we we didn't get to talk about your favorite movie Zardoz. Oh, yeah, what? So good. Yeah. Um, so good. We did have a lot of time just putting our faces on on stuff. Um, a lot of Photoshop work happened. Yeah. What is Zardoz? <laughs> what? Oh, uh, you're missing out. Wait. I'm, well, I'm looking on the list. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> it's not something I worked on. Oh no. no. It's, oh, okay. 1970s Sean Connery movie. Um, sci-fi. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I know what he's you're talking an, about he's, now. He's in a Borat. Yes. Like, yes. Know, I know exactly what you're talking uh, about. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting here I, with this list going. I don't see that one. Uh, hmm. I, we 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 did a lot of Photoshop work that went out and a lot of emails and and I took our entire team and I put each of their faces on Sean Connery's body. Yeah. With that image. <laughs> Can that be your Christmas card mm -hmm. this year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh. Well, there was the the one. So I used to um, make Photoshop. So every every day we'd have like a morning dailies, and then in the afternoon we would do rounds where I would walk to everyone's desk and, and catch up. And and um, I was uh, definitely for my first time out supervising. I, I had all this energy, and I made uh, a different image um, to announce rounds on email for the team every day. <laughs> and so I did a lot of different stuff about like, you know, when rounds are, I made one look like an old, 
uh, you know, like a, a doctored sci-fi magazine cover about when rounds are. And, uh, and then I was, you know, I'm trying to think of something different to do. There was one I, I did where I took a picture of Chris and I added all this stuff to him and, uh, and I gave him this hair and, uh, he's like, wow, you made me look like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. <laughs> I want this picture. It doesn't, it doesn't take that much to make me look like my mom, though. So that's... <laughs> it was it was shared on Facebook at least once. Or oh, twice. yeah, all these are on Facebook. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure if you go to my tagged images, you will. I know what I'm doing tonight. So cool. yeah, you got to go back to like 2010 or something like that, or yeah. 2011 tagged images, but they'll be there. Oh yeah. So one of the uh, people watching on YouTube said that uh, Vance said it sounds like one of the coolest jobs ever. I'm guessing he's talking about you working for Disney and the stuff that you've done, not putting uh, people's faces on other bodies. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> I thought he was talking about podcasting. Oh right. yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be. <laughs> we get paid so well. Just rolling in. Uh, it's 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 been um, so you know I. I you know, having worked around a bunch of stuff, some some movies are, are fun to work on, others are less fun. Um, and even some of the best projects that get the most critical acclaim can be a real slog for, for people to work on. Um, and so there's no accounting for like what your experience is going to be, either if it's a good movie, bad movie, you know, it all just depends. There's a lot of things involved. And um, I, I gotta say, it goes back. There's, there's Kevin Rafferty was the executive creative director on the ride, and he was an over 40 year veteran who just retired uh, from Disney, and uh, he wrote an autobiography uh, of his 40 years with Disney, starting as a, um, as a, uh, uh, you know, a guy sweeping, um, you know, a custodian, uh, all the way up to, you know, he was responsible for Tower of Terror and Rock and Roll Roller Coaster. And this ride and he was the executive creative director of all of cars land and like the guy's you know history is just full of, of favorite rides of, of people and you know the thing about working with him is, is that you know some people you can have good bosses and then there's also like good bosses and he is um one of these people whose only um only mission in life is to you know, spread joy. Um, like literally, like he is. You know, when people watch uh, the Mister Rogers documentary and and they talk about how good of a person he was, um, Kevin is exactly like that. He is that type of person, and he's this guy that remembers everyone's name the first time he meets them. And no matter who you are on the show, um, you know the the ops people that open the gates for you. He goes up and introduces himself to them when he sees them and gets their name and doesn't forget it. And he says hi to them. And every year he would give you a, a gift. And uh, let me. Uh, and uh, he gives you all these personalized gifts. And uh, so, like one thing, you know, is one of our our oh, train cool. whistles. Uh -huh. That's cool. And uh, you know, and he and he writes personal messages. And so at Christmas, you get these uh, posters uh, that he writes like a full page and he does that for everyone on the ride. Wow. And so coming uh, from some of the other projects, you know, like in visual effects, you know, I, you know, I obviously worked with wonderful people, um, but there's a lot of high stress in that environment um, because 
you're a vendor working for a client and there's an expectation and it's always like, where is it? Where is it? When is it done? And so that can take some of the, the joy out of it sometimes, you know, because you're just grueling and working on this ride um, with, with Kevin um, was really like, uh, it was just, it was one of the best things in the world because this, this man, you know, he, he brings everyone in and he trusts them and he, encourages them to do the best that they can do and because of him and his attitude you know allowed me to do all the stuff that i got to do on it and you know the rest of my team and the, the other people on the right people in charge of all the lighting and the production designers who design all the show set and the sets and everything and the building and everything and um it's it's infectious it's infectious because uh, what happens is is when the guy leading it uh brings that attitude then everyone else has that attitude and our whole mantra like through the whole ride was just how can we make this thing as joyful and fun as possible and that's all we thought about that was day in day out so for me it was really one of the, the most wonderful experiences ever so absolutely very cool very cool well, it works because the ride does bring lots of laughs lots of joy it's it's again it's one of my new favorite rides I know I wish I could be uh, super explicit and I know we only touched on a few things because there's so many aspects to it you know between talking about the the folks at Disney TV uh, the composer Christopher Willis um, you know, who I got to work with um, the rest of my team uh, you know over the years you know with Blaine Kennison who was the one of the, our main artists and Nick DeSilva the guys that I worked with and Matt Shep and all these guys that all showed up and brought their best work with them. And, and the artist, uh, you know, that I worked with, uh, this gentleman, Brad, uh, and, uh, you know, Brad was this guy who could take all the art and recreate it. And like, you know, there is not one thing in the ride, um, visually that Brad didn't touch, you know, uh, there's just all these wonderful people that just did amazing, amazing work. And it's, that's the thing about it is, you know, it, when you're with a good team, you know, I mean, it, it, it sounds corny and cliche, but like you can do anything, you know? Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, when you, you know, it's a cliche, but you feel it, you know, it's, uh, that's always the best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have, but have you got a chance just to go and just watch the reactions of the people that come off the ride? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The opening day, um, and I almost kind of missed this because I didn't understand what was going on. Um, uh, but a bunch of us all sat there at the end of the ride when the first riders came off. And I got there about a half hour, 40 minutes. So I wasn't there for the very first ones. Um, but, you know, the whole team was just standing there watching everyone get off the ride for the first time. And <laughs> uh, yeah, just seeing their things. And, and yeah, um, you know, um, I was just in Florida a few weeks ago and uh, uh went on it again and uh you know the, the park was still open so it's fun sitting there in cars and uh you know watching people and you know we're in the dance studio and there's a car of other people who are just guests excuse me and uh you know they're all dancing to the waltz and the conga as it's happening and yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> my family does that we dance the whole yeah. Time. yeah yeah it does bring a lot of joy uh, it is really great to see. So. so when you were getting on the ride, the person's like, how many won? You go, oh, yeah, this is this is one of the rides that I made. 
<laughs> step aside. Yeah, step aside. Uh, I made this. <laughs> no, that's really cool. That, I mean, it's just amazing the work that, that you've you've done over the years, and and it seems like it keeps getting better and better. And I can't wait to see what you do next. And it, it's it was funny when you walked back to get that train whistle because on the screen. I'm sure there was some people going, that's a really cool background he has. And that's but but no, it's not a background. Mm-hmm. He basically has Walt Disney's office in his back. <laughs> he just walked back there and he has his own um animation desk, which is really cool. Or whatever desk he's on. Yep. But that's that's sweet looking. That is um and I wasn't sure. Um this was actually uh uh I, I actually found out more information uh from uh Donald Duck uh voice Tony and Salmo. Um, so the, the voice of Donald Duck, Tony, is uh, he, he was a 2D feature animator for Disney and he could do the voice of Donald. Now he's been Donald for like 25 years or, or so and he uh, he has a real original Ken Weber animation desk and so since I worked with him a little bit, I, I sent him a message asking if he could give me information on it and then he's like, send me pictures of what you have. And he's like, oh no, that's not a Ken you know, <laughs> okay, all right, all right. You know, I, I was fairly ignorant. Um, this is uh, a 1990s era desk based on the Ken Weber design. So this is from Disney Feature. Ooh. It's a Disney mm. Feature desk, and uh, it was one of the ones uh, when they were getting rid of 2D. Uh, they were junking a lot of them. I mean, they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these things, and they were throwing them out. And uh, a friend of mine um, that I used to work with on Futurama, um, this guy, Eddie Rosas, had received it. Um, he had another friend at Disney Feature who's, who get, told him about it, and they went and got it. And Eddie had this desk for a few years, but he didn't have room for it. And it was in his garage, and he went over for something. And uh, he was showing me around, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And he's like, yeah, I don't have room for it. Do you want it? Wow. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, yes. So... <laughs> Brought it home, super lucky, and uh, yeah, it's uh, got my animation desk, and then um, you know, got my 16 field disc, and uh, the, you can't see the pictures, but those are some of the the 2D art that I've bought over the years. Um, the the small ones right up there are um, pencil drawings, um, animation layers from uh, Sleeping Beauty. So I've got uh, Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, and then King Hugh is on the wall over there. <laughs> but yeah, That's so cool. this office is new. Um, my office used to be in a smaller room down the hallway. And uh, with COVID and everything and all the time, um, we were able to, you know, play musical chairs with the rooms and then make my, you know, this is, I've been waiting um years to be able to do this and so this was like finally this year um all my toys are up here above us here i can't turn the camera to see it but it's it's all toys up here and uh, all all books over here and a comic book rack over there and nice and then that yeah (laughs) that's over there very nice and i got to check out some of your artwork too online and it's amazing oh thank you very very cool Well, it's getting late, and we've been going for like about an hour and a half now, almost. But, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a true pleasure, and you're welcome on the show anytime. Um, 
before you go, is there anything you want to plug? You can plug yourself, anything you work on, whatever. This is your time. I give it to you. <laughs> well, I just started um, selling uh, um, uh, supplements over the mail. Um, it's this new marketing uh, thing that I'm into. <laughs> and uh, so I really got a bunch of Herbalife. Um, <laughs> Let me get a pen. Me. Hold on. <laughs> So, um, you know, no, I, I, you know, the, I'm, I'm currently working on the next version of the ride, which they've announced for some time around summer-ish or spring-ish of 23. And so that's all that is. But, uh, you know, I'm always happy if uh, people come by my Instagram and uh, take a look at stuff. Um, that's where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working on uh, personal pitches and stuff for various ideas. and. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone that comes by knows things and looks at what's on there. Some of those things I haven't really explicitly said, like, this project is this. I just kind of post images as I do them. But a lot of them are part of, of different things that I'm trying out. And uh, so, yeah, I'm always happy if people come by Instagram and, and take a look. So, What's your Instagram? Uh, it is Art of RPD. Exactly how it spells, just A R T O F R P D. A lot of fun stuff on there. Cool. It's got a little skull with my initials. Skull. Halloween. See, there we go. It all comes back. There we go. So, Katrin, Chris, do you have anything else before we uh, before we go? Questions, comments. No, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what I deal with, Ryan. I throw it to them. I was like, you got no, anything? No, you just got through saying, it's like, well, we've been going for an hour. I guess we're going to wrap <laughs> yeah. this up. Now so, you're going to so, let me ask yeah. questions? No. So exactly. You you run out all the time, and then you're like, any questions? Because, you know, TikTok, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do notice... Uh, uh, Chris, that we have uh, both have haunted mansion pictures in, in our rooms here. Yeah, you've got the yeah. Oh yours, yeah, uh, I see yeah. yours now. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. it's just uh, over there, oblong. Yeah, cool. I have all Fancy. all the haunted mansion Funko Pops and a hand uh, a handmade mansion up here on my shelf. I can't really show it. So. Nice. I didn't tell you guys, but I got new um, vinyls. They're not pops, but um, the ones at Target. Uh, got them for Father's Day. But anyways, the little ones, you know, the, the they're like the oh, those there's are Funkos. four yeah. of them. Oh, well, yeah, they're Funko. They're just the mini. They're not the yeah. full size, I guess. But um, we've got. I've got to get two more, and I'll have them all. Which one do you need? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have the mummy. I have the hat. Got in the hat. I've got the uh, one with the beard. I don't know their names. They don't have the names on the boxes. But um, and then. Some other local ghost, but I can't Ezra remember Gus which ones I mean. Yeah. Phineas. Maybe. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Ryan's like, Chris. I just like we're all looking around. Like, yeah, we're all like, what, what can we... Uh... Yeah. I, got, yeah. I, got, I, got, I got, I put up my Lego Batwing. It's up here. What? That's, uh, oh, yeah. Original. One of the daggets from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That guy sits right there. These guys are all movie monsters. Lots of robots. Or, uh, yeah, let's see what else we got here. We got Lupin on a uh, 
uh, Kira's bike. Yeah. Yeah. Mishmash of stuff. Lots of stuff. I got the I got the scared little kid from Nightmare Before Christmas. It's also a tape dispenser. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> this is the part where you have to time. watch YouTube to see what's going on. So this is why he doesn't ask us. Yeah, this is why we don't <laughs> ask them questions. Anybody want to see my tape dispenser? Hey, I mean, it dispenses. That's that's probably still the original tape that came with it. So probably so. Wow. Is that like a, for a different podcast you do? Do you like just take down the black curtain when you're doing the other podcast about all your tape dispensers? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's all, this is all tape dispensers back here. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, some that date back to the old Starsky and Hutch show. Um, just various. Wow. Tape dispensers. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Good show. <laughs> you had like an Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, one. Fiber crystal. Um, oh yeah. Older. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's what I'll show. Something I made. Nice. Look at that. Yeah. Made it. That's cool. I take it to Galaxy's Edge and people go crazy about it. That's always fun. It's the only place I feel like a celebrity. When I take all my stuff to Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> Anyways, it's been fun. Ryan, thank you so much for putting up with us and just having fun with us. You're welcome back anytime. And next time, if we if if you come back on, you may never you may be like, nope, I'm done. Next time, I'll have it all laid out behind me of where all the secrets are on on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I'll have the yarn stretching. It'll be great. It'll be conspiracy episode of Runaway Railway. <laughs> I'd be happy to be back and, and thank you guys so much. And uh, yeah, it's been good uh, seeing your face again, Chris. Oh, yours too. Uh, no, you stop. You stop. Praying no, forever. you stop. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do the outro. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you again. This has been episode 199 of I Am Geek. And next week, we'll be coming with you with episode 200. It's going to be amazing. Hold on. Oh, and Comic Palooza is coming up. We forgot to mention that earlier. That is totally my fault. We will be at Comic Palooza July 17th, 18th. 17th. Yes. And we're going to have live shows. It's going to be fun. They just announced more guests. There's going to be the cast of Mandalorian. There's going to be some of the cast. Some of the cast. <laughs> some of the cast of Mandalorian. Some of the cast of Mandalorian. David Ramsey. Yeah, just announced. Uh, yeah, some folks announced. from the Arrowverse. Dominic Parcell from Prison Break and, <laughs> and Legends. And then Hellboy himself will be there, right? Yeah, yes. Ron, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Right, will be there. A lot, lot of guests. Yeah, so many. So come join <laughs> us if you are in the Houston area or anywhere. Just fly on down to at Comic Palooza. You can check it out, comicpalooza.com, for tickets and all the questions you might have about it. And we will see you there. And we'll be talking with you next week for episode 200 of I Am Geek. Bye-bye. <laughs>